the Gospel according to Luke chapter 17. Glory to you, Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, praise to you, o Christ. Some people in this world really turn things around. <clears throat> Last Thursday, I attended the 25th anniversary luncheon at the Iowa Women's Foundation and heard Rosa Parks' cousin speak. Contrary to the popular assumption that Parks was a meek seamstress, until that one fateful day of December 1st, 1955, Dr. Williamson described her cousin Rosie as being a social agitator and civil rights advocate in absolutely everything she did, repeating the phrase, activism never sleeps. Without the activism of Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr. never would have become the leader of the boycott campaign, Without her, the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s wouldn't have taken off. Without her, there would be no Civil Rights Act or Voting Rights Act. Rosa Parks really turned things around. Last Friday, Greta Thunberg was in Iowa City. I saw many of your faces there that day. Kudos to the students at City High for their persistent participation in the Global Weekly Friday Student Strikes for Climate Change and for their work in bringing Greta here. In just one short year, this 16-year-old has gone from being an unknown teenager living in a middle-class home in Sweden to one of the most recognized faces on the planet. <coughs> She is fearless, she is earnest, she is passionate about this planet. Greta is turning things around. But Greta is not alone, born in a wealthy country to parents who have the means to support and accommodate her. And in a culture where young people are encouraged to speak up, Greta has intersecting privileges. But she knows this and regularly names fellow youth activists in her speech to remind the world that there are also others hard at work. So who are these others who are also turning things around and why have we not heard of them? 
Why have we not heard the name Aditya Mukherjee, the young man from New Delhi responsible for starting the war against plastic straws in 2018? Why have we not heard the name Nina Gualinga, an indigenous activist from the Ecuadorian Amazon since the age of eight, winner of the World Wildlife Fund's Top Youth Conservation Award? Why have we not heard the name Autumn Peltier, a 15-year-old clean water and climate advocate from the Ashinaabe people of Canada? Why have we not heard the name Leah Namanguera, a 15-year-old youth activist from Uganda? The answer is very simple, racism, which is often in bed with power and money. Those of us with white skin control the global narrative of who gets attention, who gets money, and who gets press. We know this. This white savior narrative invalidates the impact of local activists working in their communities and perpetuates the stereotype of the native with no agency or poor minorities who cannot help themselves without being rescued by people with white skin. Those of you who attended the Lenny Duncan event here a few weeks ago recognize this truth in his writing and in his speeches. The point in all this is that there are many people turning things around, not just people with complexions from Northern Europe. Racism is not something unique to our modern era or even our particular culture. Back in Jesus' time, racism also existed as we encounter in today's gospel. In this reading from Luke, Jesus is traveling in the region between Samaria and Galilee, modern-day Palestine. Being of Jewish ancestry, Jesus is traveling through enemy territory. In Jesus' time, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Why? because of politics. When Israel split into northern and southern kingdoms, Samaria became the capital of the northern kingdom, Jerusalem became the capital of the southern kingdom. In this eerily familiar tension between north and south, acts of violence frequently flared up as stereotypes and prejudice grew. Jesus, a Jew, is traveling through Samaritan country, and the air is charged with tension. It's especially interesting to note that in today's gospel, both capitals are named Jerusalem and Samaria. Even though Jesus is nowhere near Jerusalem, this is like saying on his way from <coughs> Chicago to Selma, Alabama, Jesus passes through the region of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. <coughs> this is the climate that Jesus is traveling through when he encounters ten diseased people. The ten beg Jesus to heal them of their disease of leprosy, and Jesus does. And they go on their way, except for one. One man stops and turns around. And he is a Samaritan, a Samaritan of all people, turning around to face a Jew. Jesus asks where the others went. It seems like he's almost pleading. Where are the others? Please, I'd rather talk to any of those other nine but you. But the other nine have already taken off. Glad to have been healed. 
the one remains because he's got something bigger to prove. So right now, here they stand, enemies, face to face, toe to toe. The climate is tense. What will happen? The villagers wonder as they look on with pounding hearts. Will one reach for an automatic weapon and gun down his enemy in cold blood? Will one attack the other with a ridiculous and angry tweet? Will one call for missiles to be launched into the other's homeland? Will this trigger yet another war between North and South? Will this add fuel to this already raging fire? So what happens? What happens when these two enemies come face to face? What happens is shocking and astounding and miraculous. What happens is the Samaritan turns around and thanks Jesus. Falls down at his feet and praises God. This one Samaritan, Jesus' sworn enemy, turns things around. The climate changes from tense to hopeful. So then, this is not a gospel about moral platitudes about being like the Samaritan and giving due thanks to God for all the good things we have in life, although clearly giving God thanks is good, but not for what we have so much as what we have to give, or more accurately, what God has to give, which is healing in body, in relationships, in and with creation. It turns out then, <clears throat> that this gospel is a prophetic vision of what can happen when enemies face one another. What can happen when there is an arms race, a standoff, when tensions run high, when the climate is toxic. This is the climate in which we live. When everything that we know to be good and true is under attack. Earth itself which supports all life. International treaties, which now mean nothing. Basic rights for all human beings. Due process, trust in the safety of our schools and public events, or even our very homes. Trust in our elected leaders. We all know, I think, the fear we feel in looking at our phones first thing in the morning, dreading the news that awaits us while we that too has been assaulted, shot, or attacked. In this climate in which we live then, this gospel is a siren call on racism and prejudice. It blows the whistle on looking at the other as enemy instead of embracing them as brother and sister. This is a radical kingdom climate change of how the healing word and explosive power of God transform human systems of power like racism that harm and oppress and demonize others. This is about God empowering people like you and me to turn things around, to change the human climate in which we live today. But there is a risk involved in participating in God's expanding and inclusive kingdom. It might cost everything. I wonder about this one Samaritan when he returns home. 
is he shunned or ridiculed for praising and thanking a Jew. This guy who has just been healed and restored back into community, does his bold action ironically cost him his place in community? What profound risk he takes in turning around. What courage, what boldness. This one Samaritan risks everything to change the political climate in which he lives. Do I possess the courage he does? Do you? Are we willing to risk everything to turn things around? In this gospel, Jesus walks the walk through healing sick people, yes. But his enemy leads the way by turning around to say thanks. So then, is it unimaginable to consider that ones who fight for justice for people and planet might have skin that is black or brown with names that are difficult for us to pronounce, maybe? Maybe coming from countries we might not like or agree with politically? Can we imagine that God's Holy Spirit is at work outside of North America? or Northern Europe, that she is calling visionaries and prophets and leaders and poets and dreamers from every corner of the world to stand up and turn around, making peace between peoples and peace between nations? Is it so hard for me to believe that goodness can come from my enemy? Is it harder yet to imagine that goodness can come from me towards my enemy? Usually the preacher urges the congregation to be like Jesus. Today I urge you to be like Jesus' enemy. Can you think of your own enemy and resolve to connect with him or her in the next 24 hours? To thank them for something they did or said. I don't mean the one that is easy to thank. I mean, the one whom you'd rather not think. Can you or I emulate the Samaritan and turn things around in our own relationships, improving the climates in which we live? <clears throat> this Samaritan then teaches us how to be truly thankful. And gratitude must be taught. It's not instinctual. You don't have to teach a toddler to hit, but you do have to teach a toddler to say thank you. God uses the enemy of God's own son to teach us what a truly thankful heart looks like. This vision is not just beautiful. It is a radical human climate change. It is a reversal of the typical human interaction to which we are accustomed. It's calling an end to war. It's a declaration of peace. It's both sides waving a white flag of surrender. It's a crumbling of walls that divide people and nations. It's both people burying their guns in the ground. It is kingdom glory. It is the power of God at work through people for the healing of this world and all of its creatures. Exactly who or what then is healed in this gospel? Yes, the ten, but also all of creation. 
What then would it look like if I turned around to face my enemy? What would it look like if you turned around to face yours? Would we draw a weapon? Would we shame them? Would we verbally assault them? Would we shred them on social media? Would we choke them for lack of clean air to breathe? Would we leave them for dead in an immigration detention cell? Or would we fall at their feet, whatever color those feet might be, and give God thanks that they live, that they breathe? Today, Jesus calls us to action to turn ourselves and things around, to be agents in human climate change. Kingdom peace, then, between Samaritan and Jew. Kingdom peace, then, between you and your enemy, between me and mine. Kingdom peace between you and whatever wars rage inside your head. Kingdom peace between your body and your mind. Kingdom peace between peoples and planet for the salvation and for the healing of all. It is time to turn around. Amen.